Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Nicola Everett. Hello, thanks ever so much for downloading today's podcast on Thursday, September the 28th. Hope you're okay. Our top story today is that a huge fire has broken out at a farm near Ashford overnight, destroying cattle barns and knocking out power. We can see pictures and video by heading to the story on the website today. 14 engines were called to Elm Tree Farm in Selinge as two buildings and a large haystack went up in flames. Witnesses say the farmer rushed to release his animals into a nearby by field. They did get to safety and one person has been treated for minor burns. Well, reporter Millie Bowles has been to the scene and spoken to some people who live nearby. I went to go to bed and I went to close the curtains and um, all I could see was the sky was all red above the trees at the back of our house. And um, so I just came down and went down to the bottom of the garden and all you could just see just massive, a ball of red and orange flames and you could see um, some of the lights of the emergency services there and just billowing smoke everywhere that was all mm-hmm. um, and we had the electric off for, for about three hours I think it was last night to about two o'clock really? um, and frantic to and fro from the farm vehicles going down the lane obviously I don't know if they were clearing stuff or what they were doing but I feel really sorry for There were lots of fire tenders and obviously they had to divert the traffic as well because all of a sudden there were two huge lorries had come and I thought I wasn't sure that they would get through the end of the lane it's very very narrow that was the only way they could have gone but I didn't see them come back but if they got stuck there's nowhere to turn if they couldn't go and I'm thinking oh crikey everything's gonna grind to a halt really yeah so um Yes, once I'd heard from a friend that the, the tenders were going across the field. Mm. I could, it made sense of how many came past. And earlier on, I spoke to Chris Else from Kemp Fire and Rescue. Just after uh, half past eight yesterday evening, uh, we were called to um, some barns alight um, that had hay and straw contained within them. Um, Crews had to work very hard with a farmer at the start because there was a large number of uh, cows that were in the barns next door to where the fire had started. Uh, and the initial action was, as you'd expect, us working with the farmer to make sure we uh, look after those animals and, and put them to a place of safety. Uh, and so that took up uh, quite a lot of time uh, at the start of the incident. I believe they, they did all get to safety, but uh, for anyone who's seen the pictures or the video on Kent Online today, I mean, it was a very large fire, wasn't it? Can you just describe it for us and, and what was within those barns and why it was so so large? Yes, it was a, a large fire and we're, we're very pleased uh, that at the moment we believe that all the cows got to a place of safety and, and credit needs to go to the, the farmer and our crews that, that helped to do that under uh, quite difficult conditions because uh, the fire uh, spread rapidly as uh, we expect them to do in uh, dry conditions with uh, uh, straw and hay stored in barns. Um, the fire did spread to a number of different buildings uh, that store uh, hay and straw and it also spread to a haystack that was outside um, that was around about 200 metres long uh, by 10 metres wide uh, and uh, so uh, quite a large amount of material that is on fire and burning. Um, clearly from our perspective it was uh, making sure that 
um, we had that under control and surrounded and we did that reasonably quickly after a couple of hours uh, to limit the further spread of that fire uh, and to make sure uh, we could control it from where it was. That's very different from us extinguishing the fire, which, as you can appreciate, is a, a different task that we need to work through as the uh, day progresses. And tell us about the situation at the moment, Chris. Um, at its height, there were 14 um, fire engines there, so that's an awful lot of firefighters. What's the situation now? Uh, yes, that's right. Uh, 14 uh, fire engines and a number of specialist units, including our, our bulk water carrier and our uh, technical rescue team who have got a, a telehandler to help to move material about because uh, the problem with uh, big stacks of uh, straw and halite material is um, it's very difficult to firefight because the material burns beneath uh, the surface and you have to pull it apart to to extinguish it so the situation is uh, as we have at the moment as i say we we got uh, the fire surrounded which means we had it under control it wasn't spreading anymore uh, reasonably early on yesterday evening um, we are today working a plan to establish the best way to resolve that incident and uh, the way the ways we could do it are to allow that to uh, to burn off um, and to keep going which could mean we could see a fire burning uh, for a number of days um, or uh, get our own equipment in and uh, contractors equipment to uh, uh, pull the material um, apart and then extinguish it um, it will uh, be quicker doing it um, by pulling the uh, pile apart but of course we need to take into account things like environmental damage um, and balance the environmental damage of smoke in the uh, air against environmental damage of moving burnt material around uh, and that might enter the water course so uh, we have a careful balance of those things and have environmental risk assessment that's the work that's going on this morning to establish that long-term strategy uh, and to work that through and we'll make sure that we keep our website updated with uh, the uh, plan of action there so local residents specifically can see uh, what we're doing and, and when we're doing it. Yeah, because you have got some advice for them at the moment, haven't you? Uh, yes, so we have had a, um, uh, uh, advice to close windows and doors overnight and uh, we keep that advice in place. Uh, that just stops uh, smoke from uh, coming into your house uh, uh, for those people that might be in the area where you can uh, smell and see the smoke. So uh, that's your own safety and we'll carry on uh, giving that advice. Uh, what we're also doing this morning is making sure we have people at the scene and we encourage uh, residents, if they have any concerns at all, to feel free to ask firefighters for advice and guidance uh, there. Uh, we will, uh, for the houses that are very close uh, to the scene, we will come around and have uh, some discussions to see if anyone needs any more assistance from us or if they need any further advice. So um, please, uh, please, we ask uh, people to, to engage with us in that way because that's the best way we can get the uh, safety information to you. Do head back to Kent Online for updates on this story. Kent Online News. Some crime news for you now. And a man's been charged by officers investigating the death of a woman who's thought to have died while trying to cross the channel. The body of the 24-year-old from Eritrea was found on a beach in France earlier this week. A 21-year-old Sudanese national was arrested in Dover and will appear in court later, accused of facilitating illegal immigration. A pub chef who stabbed a woman on a night out in Canterbury has avoided being sent to prison. James Nangle turned himself into police after his mum recognised him from a CCTV appeal and contacted officers.
officers. The 29-year-old from Northgate Place was found guilty of unlawful wounding and must do 200 hours of unpaid work. A suspected drug dealer has been arrested after being found inside the home of a vulnerable resident in Gillingham. The owner of the home in Duncan Road told officers it was being used to deal drugs. A 16-year-old was detained and is due in court in December. Meantime, a drug dealer from Chatham who sent bulk text messages to known users across the Medway towns has been jailed for more than three years. 22-year-old Tony Abel from Maidstone Road admitted being involved in supplying crack cocaine and heroin. And a man has been threatened and had his watch stolen by three men in an alleyway in Sevenoaks. It happened between Main Road and Farningham Road Station in South Darrenth in broad daylight earlier this month. One of the suspects threatened to spray the victim with an unknown substance. Kent Online reports. We've got some education news for you now and a protest has been held outside County Hall in Maidstone as parents call for a reform of special needs education. It was organised by Lisa Lloyd from Larkfield who has two children with autism and she's been speaking to Lucy. I'm one of the um, founding members of Send Reform. Um, We are basically a group of mums that came together. We've all got autistic children and um, we realised that there is a huge issue um, with the education system and our children. There are thousands of children without a school place, um, thousands that are pushed into mainstream when they should be in a SEND setting and not enough teachers um, qualified to look after our children with disabilities. Um, So we decided to come together. We've had a protest in London um, recently that was really successful. It was discussed in Parliament. Um, We've had a petition with over 80,000 signatures Um, So there is a real need for a reform of the education system out there. But the real thing is that we want to work with the government. Um, You know, we don't want to be against them, but we want to work with them and we want them to start listening to us parents more as to what, what the problems are. Yeah, I suppose it's you guys who are sort of experiencing all of this. And, and how does it feel for you as, as a parent to, to be maybe overlooked for, for a while? It's absolutely heartbreaking. Um, you know, we really do feel like our children are not given the same rights as other children in mainstream schools. Um, if we to, were to turn this around and say that there weren't enough mainstream schools for mainstream children, there would be an absolute uproar. Um, and unfortunately, because our children are disabled, it just doesn't seem to um, be cared about as much. And that is absolutely not OK. Um, our children have the potential to do so well um, with the right support in place. Um, but if they don't have that support, um, it has a real knock on effect. You've got more school avoiders, uh, more parents being forced to homeschool. So they're having to leave their jobs more mental health problems, Um, you know, the knock-on effect is endless and the government and the councils need to see this, that they need to see the bigger picture of what's happening here. You feel like the movement's kind of picking up momentum now. We had that protest in London, I understand there's some more planned for across the country. Do you think this is a bit of a turning point? 
I do feel like it's definitely picking up and I think we're getting more people joining us um, to be honest that don't even have send children um, because the thing is what's happening is you're getting our children forced into mainstream schools so it's actually affecting the mainstream schools and um, we're hearing from a lot of parents that have pulled their children out and um, the teachers are overworked as usual understaffed and they can't cope with the amount of send children that are in the class um you know you've got a mainstream class of around 32 children and in some cases 10 of those children have special educational needs um so the teachers are being forced to do more care work than teaching um, and this just shouldn't be happening. There needs to be provisions in place for our children so that they can learn in the environment that's correct for them, but also the mainstream children can learn without um, being disrupted. Yeah, and I know last month there was approval for two new SEN schools in Kent. So there's going to be one in Whitstable, one in Swanley. Is that a bit of a step forward? Um, I mean, obviously, we always welcome anything, any new SEND schools, um, but, you know, we sort of believe it when we see it. Um, this has been um, offered before at the last elections. I think there was over 20 that they said that they were opening, and I believe that one opened. Um, so, you know, at the moment, it feels like a lot of um, promises, but not actually seeing it happening i mean it's a good start but it's nowhere near enough well a national petition's been signed by more than eighty thousand people and the issue is due to be discussed in parliament in january meantime plans to build a special educational needs school on a playing field in whitstable have divided opinion kent county council have chosen the church street site for the new 120 pupil facility but while it's agreed there needs to be more provision for sen in kent residents say the development would be unfair to those who use the green space. And finally, a Kent secondary school's been closed after structural issues were found in the main building. Pupils at Mepham School on Reeton Road were sent home yesterday with all learning moving online. Bosses say safety remains their greatest priority and are working closely with the Department for Education to resolve the issue. Kent Online reports. A mum and daughter in Maidstone say they've been forced to sleep outside after a strong smell of sewage filled their home. Linda Porter lives in Betherston Court and has been left feeling ill since the problem began last Friday. She recorded a selfie video and showed us around. My golden home's property. It's um, not livable. We're having to sleep outside, sit outside, eat outside. The reason why we're staying outside is we've been advised to by our GP because there is sewage underneath the floor of our property, something to do with drainage, which Golding Homes have been taking their time to deal with. You can see that video by heading to the website where both Linda and her daughter suffer from medical conditions, which we're told makes it dangerous for them to stay inside. Well, we've had this statement from the Director of Customer Experience at Golding Homes. We're sorry for the distress caused to Ms Porter and her family. Their welfare is important to us and we're looking into the cause of the smell and to sort it out. 
out. In the meantime, we'll continue to support the family, working with Ms Porter to resolve the matter, including offering alternative temporary accommodation should this be required. Our specialist contractor responded to an emergency call-out at the weekend to look into reports of a bad smell. Initial checks of the drains showed no obvious issue. We're looking further into possible causes and we've arranged to send cameras down the drains this week. We'll keep working with the family until the issue is fully resolved. This is one of our most read stories on the website today. An historic venue in Canterbury has axed hosting weddings after it ran up huge financial losses. Bookings are no longer being taken for the council-run Tower House after it was revealed it had cost taxpayers more than £400,000 in the last four years. Local bosses have pulled the plug on the venue to prevent further losses, but existing bookings can still go ahead. Next today, and there are calls for greyhound racing at tracks, including the one in Sittingbourne, to be banned within five years. Charity Blue Cross say it's concerned about the number of reported injuries and the general welfare of the dogs. I've been speaking to Kerry Taylor, who's from the organisation. Between 2018 and 2022, there were over 22,000 reported injuries of greyhounds. So we are really urging people to check out our website and sign our petition to look at um, bringing an end to greyhound racing within the next five years. What sort of work have you done in the past uh, and why has it got to this stage? Why are you so concerned now? We have tried to go to many meetings, having chats about improvements with how greyhounds are not only treated on the tracks and the, the inherent risk that they face when they race themselves, but also improve the conditions that they are living in as well. I mean, many greyhounds will be in kennels they won't be very well socialized with other dogs um, they often have poor diets um, no enrichment and we see this with the greyhounds that come into our charity that need rehoming um, so we now believe you know enough is enough uh, we did a survey recently and 91% of people who took part actually didn't go greyhound racing. They don't participate in it. So we feel actually people are behind this end to greyhound racing. Um, so we're really urging people to get to get even more behind it and sign the petition. And you actually want government to, to ban it completely, don't you? I mean, that, that would be quite a, quite a big step. I'm, I'm sure that's quite a challenge to get it that far for the organisation. Yeah, so we're looking for an end within five years. And that is partly why we've put that phased end. So we want to make sure that we can work with the industry and that greyhounds are rehomed, that animal welfare charities can actually find them new homes and things are put in place. Um, it is a big ask, but we feel like now's the time, actually, with the popularity dwindling, um, there's still risk, huge risks of these poor greyhounds that are racing. Um, we really want to change the life of greyhounds. We see them in lovely homes now. You know, they love a sofa. They're very chilled out. They make wonderful companions. And we can't imagine our, our pet dogs at home, you know, going around the track racing. So we really want to, to make this end. And you mentioned earlier about the injuries. Are you able to elaborate a little bit about the sorts of common injuries that you're seeing? Yeah, I mean, very common injuries are tendons, ligaments, fractures. Um, so if you can imagine, um, these poor greyhounds are running at 40 miles per hour um, a bit over on a very tight oval track so huge amounts of pressure are on their limbs and their joints um, often there's collisions um, because there's a number of dogs racing on the track at the same time and every time they go out then they are at huge risk of of being injured um, these are just the injuries and the risks on the track 
um, not let alone actually being in a kennel environment and not receiving everything that they need or being trained as well. Well, the Greyhound Board of Great Britain has sent us a very lengthy statement. It says the Blue Cross's call today is a rehash of their attempts last year to attract publicity based on misleading and outdated information. As regulator for the licensed sector of our sport, GBGB has quietly got on with implementing our long-term welfare strategy, a good life for every greyhound. This is an evidence-based and peer-reviewed strategy setting out how we are enhancing welfare standards across the sport and ensuring every registered greyhound receives the very best care and protection throughout their lives, protection that far exceeds that afforded to domestic dogs. It goes on to say, welfare is absolutely paramount within licensed greyhound racing and the care and well-being of greyhounds is prioritised above all else. Our annual data demonstrates the constant improvements in welfare which are being achieved and our approach has been endorsed by DEFRA. Kent Online News. Now plans have been submitted to build a new business park on farmland on Sheppey. The proposal would see 24 commercial units as well as a retail outlet built off the A249 near Neats Court in Rushenden. Developers say it would create more than 400 jobs. Elsewhere, we're being given more time to say what we think about plans for a new football stadium in Norfleet. Proposals for a new 8,000-seater ground for Ebbsfleet United are part of a new shopping and leisure development. You've got until October the 4th to comment. And new plans to turn a former hospital in Hythe into flats overlooking the sea have been branded monstrous and brutalist. Developers want to overhaul St Saviour's on Seabrook Road with a brown five-storey block. The plans are still under consideration but residents say the project will destroy privacy and ruin the area's views. Finally today, a former wasteland has been turned into a home for a cycling cafe made with reclaimed shipping containers. The hub in Y has taken two years to complete. It's currently open Friday to Sunday, but there are plans to serve customers midweek too. Alice Hall has been telling reporter Leanne Castle more about it. This was a, a project that uh, three gentlemen, Keith, Jez and Matt, uh, came up with. They're all, we're all cycling fanatics, so the love of cycling um, just comes naturally. Um, and the idea of having somewhere in the village with space for cyclists to come down as cycling clubs um, but also that serve really good coffee and the guys had the idea of using this is uh, land that's part of the, in the industry it's actually the old bus depot uh, I think it was pointers coaches um, that uh, Jez and Angela who are uh, Jez being one of the owners of this site and the industrial estate um, we used uh, this piece of land um, as a base for our shipping containers and Actually, I think what everybody needs to realise is that these three guys have done a miraculous job. They have done everything themselves. They have stripped, uh, you know, cut through steel. They have painted, glued, sanded, uh, you name it. We've got Jez up on the roof now, varnishing a roof. Uh, they have done everything themselves. Whilst uh, the three of them running the industrial site, Matt running his business and uh, Keith running his architect's business. So. Yes, weeks have slipped away, but actually, when you come down and look at it, it you have to realise it's all their hard graft. So you opened on Saturday. Talk to me a little bit about opening day and how it went. So yeah, we had actually on the Friday we had uh, we invited friends and family to come down and try the coffee, and actually 
Already then, word was spreading. Uh, you know, one wife at the tennis club mentions it and uh, we had uh, an awful lot of people down on that Friday. So then we decided that Saturday was, it was a beautiful weekend weather-wise and we were inundated and it was, you know, cyclists, walkers, um, people who've been popping down a lot, trying to say, are you open, are you open? And they came back. Um, people in the village popped down, local business owners of various businesses in the village came down um, and it was yeah, a roaring success. We were very, very pleased. And what kind of reaction have you had from people? Uh, overwhelmingly positive. Um, I think everybody, you know, when new things come to a small village, of course it's going to be exciting and everybody, uh, but we have a real feeling that everybody's supporting us. Um, I, I think they like the change of scenery. There's, I think what we have on our side down here is that we have an awful lot of outdoor space so even even in the winter the cyclists can come down line up their bikes it's there's there's free room to wheel your bike in um mums have said it's great just be able to be able to bring prams down easily so um having side uh, uh, spaces on our side is is proving very popular well that's all from us for today thanks ever so much for listening don't forget you can follow us on facebook twitter instagram tiktok and threads plus you can get details on the top stories direct to your email each morning via the briefing to sign up to that just head to kentonline.co.uk and whilst you're on the site today you can check out our latest eat my words food review news you can trust this is the kent online podcast